Hey y'all, what's up? This is FaZe. I want to thank all y'all for listening to me, man. I had a, I had a nice, great, 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 great year with y'all last year. You know what I'm saying? I went off the charts. I, I see y'all loving me. So let's pump it up this year a little better. You know what I'm saying? I got some new content. I'm going to try to do things a little more different and trying to analyze and get y'all to realize what's going on before it get too late. I ain't here for no problem. I ain't trying to start no problems. I just want to learn. I just want to learn. I just want to learn. So I want to thank all y'all. And may the most high continue putting your hinges over you, your friends, and your loved ones. And keep evil away from you that it may not grieve you. And thank you. And let's have a nice and blessed 2023. I just want to say that we're sitting in a moment in history right now. But history does not feel historic when you're sitting in it. It just feels like another day. But that doesn't mean the moment is not in fact historic. I think this is the third reconstruction. The first reconstruction was freedom. That was after the Civil War. The second reconstruction uh, was um, access. That was during the Civil Rights Movement. Third Reconstruction is right now, between 2020 and 2030. Um, And that's opportunity for all. I'm about to get on their ass this time. I'm about to get on their wrong. The police can kill a man on camera and get qualified immunity. And I'm tired of beefing with my own kind. I'm trying to find some unity. Tired of the foolery. The system abusing me. I got a ride with the tool of me. This shit ain't cool to me. But I'll be damned if I let you niggas make a fool of me. So I keep two on me. Uh, I done came a long way from the block with breakdowns. Finally opened my eyes when I had my daughter. Got tired of them shakedowns. The way I survived the game is still pain in my heart. I got a lot to say now. And I'ma show my whole ass on these motherfuckers. I ain't about to play around. Whatever happened to freedom of speech, cause they telling niggas what to say now. When guilty ass don't wanna hear the truth, try to act, defend the shit pitiful. If I was you, I'd be miserable. This war we fighting is spiritual. In other words, I'm doing God's work when I turn thoughts into artwork. My words fly like darts work, specifically designed to hit the target. They don't even wanna teach history the way it's meant to be because the shit is heartless. I might not change the world, but it's a chance I can spark the brain that's gonna get it started. Many die for me to walk like this, for me to talk like this, but the peace to Marcus. Got my eyes behind the scope, and I ain't taking number headshots. I got great aim, but my four five still came with a red dot. I got in this game, and I put this bitch in the headlock. Hey y'all, what's up? This is Faze. First of all, I want to thank the Most High for all you do for us, y'all. Knowingly and unknown. Second of all, I want to thank Jesus Christ for dying on the cross, bringing us back to the Most High Bosom. Thank you, Yahweh, and thank you, Yahweh Shai, for all you do for us, knowingly and unknowingly. I want to 
want to thank all my interstate people for listening, y'all. I know you didn't have to do it, but you did it anyway. And I want to thank all my out-of-state people for listening. I know you didn't have to do it, but you did it anyway. She get down. She get down. She get down, down. She get down. She get down. She get down. Hey, y'all. Hey, family. 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 I told y'all the ones that want to be handkerchief Negroes and handkerchief Hispanics and handkerchief the rest of the nation. I guess you had to be amongst these people too, man. See, once they open up, once they got Obama to open up that door, and then all this other stuff start manifesting, man. That's why we got to that's why we got to remove ourselves away from these people, man. They, they they making things that is abnormal normal. What you talking about, Faye? What you talking about, Faye? What you talking about? Hold on, hold on. Pump your break, pump your break. I got you. Um It's some weird people out here in this world. Yeah, I know Faze. I know they are. I know they are Faze. Yeah. But these people right here, we, uh, uh, you know, we had things that people, we would think the people were doing, but now they putting it out. Now since Obama opening that door, man, I'm just going to let y'all hear. Meanwhile, in the garden, the garden of Eden, of civilization, otherwise known as the European Union, as described by Joseph Borrell, the EU's foreign minister, well, in the Spanish parliament this week, they legalized bestiality. As long as the animal does not suffer an injury requiring veterinary attention. And the upstanding, outstanding champion of the Ukrainian war drive, the war effort of NATO to arm, finance, train and otherwise bolster the illegitimate regime in Kiev, Peter Tatcho, and video emerges in which he says, and I quote, that sex with nine-year-olds need not necessarily be damaging as long as the child consents and is not forced or manipulated into the sexual activity with an adult. And in the same European Union, scores of people sailing in a wooden boat across the Mediterranean have died in the drink, fleeing the EU-NATO wars in North Africa, Afghanistan, and elsewhere. Oh, and elsewhere in the garden, Hillary Clinton 
calls on aides to President Putin to stop him by one means or another. Like they stopped Gaddafi, perhaps. Something has gone physically or mentally wrong with him, she says. He has to be stopped. So let me advise any aides to President Putin who might be watching. What happens to people who work for Hillary Clinton? 56 aides or close friends of the Clinton crime family have now committed suicide, including the latest one who tied himself to a tree, tied an electric cord around his neck, shot himself with a shotgun in the chest and managed to throw the shotgun away several yards, facing in the direction of himself. It was ruled by the sheriff that it was the worst act of suicide he'd ever seen. Under public ridicule, that has now been amended, withdrawn, and they're looking for a murder suspect. I wonder where they'll look. Uh, so this treaty is called the CA Plus. I'm gonna. This is the summary we talked about just last week. It gives the WHO powers to define the next pandemic, to determine lockdowns. It gives them surveillance power. It gives them the power to determine treatments, vaccine mandates, vaccine distribution, vaccine intellectual property and profits, and the redistribution of pretty much everything. We talked about that at length. Now, the pandemic treaty. Uh, gives them the power to declare and manage global pandemic emergencies. Um, and they began to work out the draft of this treaty just today. So this had been in draft form for the last couple of months. And this week started, it kicked off the fourth meeting of the intergovernmental negotiating body. Here they are today uh, doing this, working out the details of this document. And then they are expected to vote on it in May. Now recall the draft bit that we went over last week still had placeholders for them to define their powers and even define the things that would give them powers such as I underlined the things that I thought were concerning here like path pathogens with pandemic potential like how how do they define that they're not sure yet the ellipsis here is theirs like literally they're like let's work this out we're not sure what these things mean yet one health surveillance infodemic interpandemic they don't even know what recovery means like they don't know how to define when a pandemic is done which is problematic. So they don't know what it is. They don't know the beginning, end, or middle. The word infodemic is the thing that really gives me the most stomachache here because they are able to define a pandemic. This is from just previous to that. They say the pandemic means the global spread of a pathogen or a variant that infects human populations with limited or no immunity through sustained and high transmissibility from person to person, overwhelming health systems with severe morbidity and high mortality. Okay. So these are the things we saw, like wasn't at first, it wasn't so much that COVID was fatal is that it was overrunning hospitals. So they left room for that, right? So they know what a pandemic is. They don't know how they can apply that to an infodemic, meaning that if there's any possibility for us to be guilty of wrong think, 
then they can say, oh, that may lead to severe morbidity and high mortality or what have you. Like the idea that thoughts and ideas and speech are linking to human mortality and so that they can control speech. Um, another thing we discussed was this idea of social listening campaigns. Uh, I have another word for this. Here's what they say. They want to strengthen pandemic and public health literacy. And they will do this by conducting regular social listening and analysis, which says to me it's giving them the power of surveillance. Yes. Um, you know, they say they want to do this so that they could make you a better science and health consumer, make you smarter in those fields. Okay. Um, and then finally, they have power to change market economies is another thing that gives me a heartache uh, that they say that they can identify these risks and including but not limited to climate change, land use change, wildlife trade, des desertification, and antimicrobial resistance, meaning they can say, well, because the way you're using your land to farm for food, you know, it's creating climate change, so I need to take your land, that kind of thing. Um, which can and has been done. We've heard from people in New Zealand who say that their government is doing that to them now. Well, there's people in, in the chat. Times. There's somebody in the chat says, nope, I'm not going to do that. I don't care what they say. I don't care what papers they sign. Well, the thing is, they come and take your land through eminent domain. This is exactly what they've been doing, basically. Yeah. So they're doing this in New Zealand. They're doing this in the, in the Netherlands. And they can absolutely do this. Um, we're going to see people rising up with, with arms and saying, you're not coming on my land. You want to try to come on my land? Here is the title page of the bill. It's called the No WHO Pandemic Preparedness Treaty Without Senate Approval Act. It would require a supermajority vote in the Senate before the president can hand over this power to the WHO. Now, one of the bill's sponsors, Senator Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee, said this about it. She says, the World Health Organization is a puppet for the Chinese Communist Party. Their mismanagement of the COVID-19 pandemic made it abundantly clear they should never have a say over America's response to any crisis. It's time for President Biden to put the rights of the American people ahead of the corrupt public health experts in quotes, who are only interested in lining their pockets and amplifying Xi Jinping's propaganda. Um, agree, the World Health Organization doesn't have a good grade on the previous pandemic, so why should they get full power on the next one? Uh, Senator Johnson made a less China-based statement, uh, but more to the point, I think we all agree, and that the WHO, again, didn't do so great on the last one. Um, he said here the WHO, along with federal health agencies, failed miserably in their response to COVID-19. The failure should not be rewarded with new international treaty that would increase WHO's power at the expense of American sovereignty. Um, yes, absolutely agree. I, nothing in there I disagree with, except to say don't get yourself too excited about this because Senator Johnson introduced a bill just like this last year. And what happened to it? Well, it was sent to the Committee on Foreign Relations, where it has languished ever yeah. since. So will this one do any better? Well, it might now that you know about it and you can call your senator and ask them to support it. Um, and we will continue to follow up on the rewrite of this draft as the WHO meeting wraps up this Friday. And you're sitting there in the Senate thinking, I'm one of 100 people that really get to drive policy and really take care of my country. And here I am, I'm going to cede control to a, a group of unelected globalists
yeah. who aren't billionaires. Bill Gates, by the way, as we should point out, the World Health Organization is funded almost entirely, in well, in large part and entirely by the Bill Gates and Melinda Gates Foundation. So where do you, like, why do you cede control? Unless there's something more nefarious going on where there's money, donations, uh, pay for play, something. How are you as U.S. Senator that just cedes control to a foreign body and just gives up power? Like, here you go, United States Constitution be damned. We're just turning this over to the WHO. I don't know, but it's not over yet. And I read the comments on the segment we did on this last week when we broke down this treaty. And people are fired up about it. And they don't like it. And they're pissed. And I see the comments on Twitter where this is shared. And... We still have a say while you still have an elected representative. So um, at this point, when people say, what can we do to stop this? Well, right now, there's a bill to support. Um, That's the bare minimum that we can do. Yeah, the bare minimum, at least, that we can do is protest and get on the phone, send an email to your elected representative and tell them, absolutely not. Do not cede power to the World Health Organization. There are many theories on who exactly the Antichrist might be. Some suggest that he will be a political leader of some sort. Or maybe even an influential religious figure. Some say he may come from the celebrity or tech world. And so to be clear, the purpose of this video is not to label a particular person today who might be the Antichrist. No, what we will do is explore a significant biblical puzzle piece regarding his identity. So get ready because we're going to dig deep on this. And I think what you will hear is something that you may have not yet considered. Now, he will have power. But the book of Revelation hinted at his supernatural abilities as well. No human will be able to stop him. Some theologians propose that many staged miracles will occur, causing the world to flock to him, such as being healed from a fatal wound. So, what biblical hints are given regarding who he might be? Well, I believe one of the greatest biblical hints is his name. Let's take a look here. Revelation chapter 13. It's talking about the Antichrist and what he's going to do. And it says that uh, he forced all people, great and small, to receive a mark, right? The mark of the beast. So that they could not buy or sell unless they had that mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here it is, verse 18. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate, calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. Okay. And that number is 666. 
0.66. So a few things here. Number one, we see that the mark of the beast is something that can be calculated. It is the number of a man. Okay, so this is a human. This is, no, is a number that should give us that should track a human being. Okay, who is the Antichrist, and how will that number somehow land us on a man? Because it will be his name. This number can be calculated. It is the name of a human. There are many interpretations of what this refers to. Okay, And as you look through commentaries and various scholarly perspectives, there are a few things that many note. Number one, the Apostle John who is writing this is likely trying to communicate the name of the Antichrist, not just for us who are reading it today, but also he would have expected his readers at the time to know this name and be familiar with it. And so is there a name that those who would have been reading this letter at the time of its authorship could have recognized? Well, let's get into it. Gematria. Unlike other languages, every letter in the Aramaic and Hebrew alphabet has a number assigned to it. And so to the readers of John, having a number attached to a letter was very common, especially among those of Hebrew origin. And so again, I emphasize the point that whatever name equals 666 here, it's important that it is a name that John's readers would have been familiar with. And that's just, you know, basic biblical hermeneutics 101. You always have to consider the original audience as well. For instance, let's say that there was a name that we could calculate that equals 666. I don't know, let's throw some, uh, Michael Jackson, okay? Let's just say that his name, if you calculated the uh, gematria there, that it equals 666. Well, to the original audience, that name would have meant nothing to them. They wouldn't know who Michael Jackson is. Even John doesn't know who Michael Jackson is. And so that's why many scholars make the point that the name of the beast here would have likely been a name that both the original readers knew and it would have to be someone so popular that people even today would be familiar with this name. Okay, now another point. There are many titles and names that you could come up with in Hebrew that could equal 666. Okay, however, did you know that some of the earliest manuscripts of the book of Revelation actually have this passage translated as 666? One six? Oh yes. And so many scholars will argue that the original number in this verse could either read 666, as most of our Bibles today have recorded, or uh, 616. And as you look in your uh, footnotes and in your commentaries, you will see that many early manuscripts actually have it written as 616. So here is the big question. Is there a name that the readers of John between 60 and 90 AD would have known that we also today would know that equals both 666 and 616? Believe it or not, yes, there is a name 
There's a name that when you calculate it, it can equal to 666 and 616. And the people who were reading this letter at the time were very familiar with. And today, this person is so notorious that we are familiar with it today. What is that name? It is Nero Caesar. The Roman Emperor, who was the worst persecutor of Christians to ever live. People will say, well, if John was referring to Nero here, does that mean that there will not be a future Antichrist? Because Nero died, right? And this is why you actually have many believers who don't even believe an Antichrist will come because they are just sold on the fact that John was clearly writing about Nero here, but they know Nero was dead. So they say, well, okay, well, maybe the Antichrist just was something for the first believers, but we will never really see him in our lifetime because Nero, this is obviously referring to Nero, but he's dead. There's a huge section of believers who actually land there. Okay. And they just, they don't even think there's a man of lawlessness coming. Well, there will be future Antichrist or man of lawlessness. And we've referenced many scriptures to that point. Why would John here be referring to Nero? Well, it's time to go on a little journey. So here again at the seminary library, and uh, one thing that we learn is that when it comes to interpreting anything biblically, you want to consider what the earliest believers and theologians thought about it. And it's almost similar to the telephone whisper game. You know, when someone starts uh, off with a clear message, but then after each person relays the message, at the end, you end up with something far different from what was communicated at the beginning. You know, and so that's what's happened a lot over the years when it comes to biblical interpretation. And so that's why it's important to look at what did the early church fathers, the earliest believers, think about the Antichrist and who he might be. What did the earliest believers who were alive under the instruction of the apostles, what did they think about his identity? Think about his identity. Are there any writings available that could shed some light on that? Well, there are, and they have some interesting perspectives. So let's just take a look at it. So remember when Paul was talking about the man of lawlessness and he said that the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but that he will rise when his time has come. Basically, he was saying that spirit, the power of the Antichrist is already at work, but he will come into the scene when his time at the right time well, notice what one of the early church theologians, Augustine of Hippo, commented on that. So in saying, for the mystery of iniquity is already at work, he alluded to Nero, whose deeds already seemed to be the deeds of Antichrist. And hence, some suppose that Nero shall rise again and be Antichrist. Others again suppose that he is not even dead, but that he is concealed and that he might be supposed to have been killed and that he now lives in concealment in the vigor of that same age. We're going to come back to that, which he had reached when he was believed to have perished and will live until he is revealed in his own time and restored to his kingdom. Very 
Interesting. So basically, Augustine of Hippo, he wrote that around the time period of the first centuries of the early church, there was this idea that Paul, who wrote that letter when Nero was in power, was secretly saying the secret power of Antichrist is at work as a reference to how Nero is currently in power and that he is connected to the man of lawlessness. And so apparently many theorized at the time that perhaps somehow Nero would return as the Antichrist. Hmm. It's an interesting concept. So let's keep researching. Now, many of you may have also heard of these Sibylline oracles. Some historians and theologians refer to them, and you will find them in commentaries to understand what some Christian communities believed during the earliest days of the church. And so, you know, we don't know everything about the Christian community who wrote these letters. Apparently, uh, one of them even claims to be some Christian prophetess. Uh, but again, it's interesting to see what many around the time believed. And when you look at commentaries to study this stuff, you know, the sibling oracles is usually one of the documents you will see that people uh, will use to refer to early thought around the time period. And so according to these oracle documents, it wrote this. Nero will one day return from a distant place, right, and will create destruction until the God of heaven returns. And so, again, we see that this discussion about Nero was circulating at the time, and it gave birth to what has become known as the Nero Redivivus legend, which was a popular belief during the last part of the first century that the Roman Emperor Nero would return after his death in 68 AD. The legend was a common belief as late as the 5th century. You can do research on that. Let's look at another early writing. It says that Satan will descend from the firmament in the likeness of a man, the one who killed his mother. And scholars note that this is a reference to Nero. You know, Nero was known for doing that. And then it says that Nero will return to use powers to lead the world to worship him. So what we see here is that around the time, again, of the early church, there were some Christians, Christian communities, who believed that Nero would somehow return in the same age that he was when he died and would then somehow operate as the Antichrist. Now, what we need to do is investigate what the Bible says about these things, okay? You know, it's not enough just to look at what these other documents from people around the time period were saying. What does the Bible say? Are there any clues regarding this? The book of Daniel and Revelation say that the Antichrist will war against God's people for how long? Three and a half years. Now, guess how long Nero persecuted believers for? three and a half years. Coincidence? Or prophetic parallel? Still, why do some argue that Nero could return in some way? Where does that come from? Well, one of the main things that people point to, other than the fact that the calculation of the beast's name is Nero Caesar, people also point to what's written in Revelation 17. So here, John is receiving an angelic vision about the Antichrist king who will come into the world. And the angel tells him that this wicked king, the Antichrist, 
is an eighth king that belongs to seven kings from the kingdom of that time. Now, most scholars here refer to how in this vision, the angel tells John that the beast will come from a kingdom also that sits on seven hills. Well, at the time period, the kingdom or nation known for being the one that sits on seven hills was Rome. And as you can see here in this commentary, in this commentary, in this commentary, Rome is always mentioned as the kingdom of seven hills. And so many scholars argue that the Antichrist somehow will be linked to Rome because it mentions that he belongs to the seven kings that were known from coming from this kingdom of seven hills. And these seven kings were known to be ruling in the region around the time of this letter. And so when it says that the eighth king, the Antichrist, will come from these seven kings, people uh, notice that link there. And so look at what it says. Revelation 17, 11. The beast who once was and now is not is an eighth king. He belongs to the seven and is going to his destruction. So how can that be possible? How can an eighth king come from kings who ruled before him? Well, let's look at what it says. The beast which you saw once was, now is not, and yet will come up out of the abyss and go to its destruction. The inhabitants of the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast because it once was, now is not, and yet will come. So we see again, he is referring to the Antichrist because when the Antichrist arrives, the world will worship him, be amazed by him. And the key is this. The angel interprets the vision to John saying the beast, the Antichrist, once was, meaning at one point he was alive. Now is not, meaning that at the time of this vision, he is dead. <laughs> but will come up out of the abyss at some point in the future and will then be marveled by when the world sees him because again he once was now is not and will come again this is deep because at the time of this letter most scholars argue that it was written around 90 AD which means that at the time of this letter guess what Nero had already died it was around 68 AD when he was persecuting believers Right? But at the time of the letter, he was dead. And guess what else? He also belonged at that time when he was alive to the seven kings of Rome. <sighs> and the Bible said the beast will belong to the seven kings. The interesting thing here is that again it says the beast once was, now is not, and will come about abyss. Now, let me ask you this What is the abyss? Well, let's investigate that. When we go to tools, we see here that the word for abyss is the word abyssals. And it is the same word that is used for the bottomless pit. Hell. The place for wicked spirits, especially the abode of demons. So many argue 
that if the angel here is saying that the Antichrist will be a man who was once alive, but during the time of this letter is not, but yet will rise up out of the abyss, it, it clearly seems to be saying that the Antichrist will arise with it. Let's get it. Have you ever been hungry and can't eat? Have you ever been thirsty and can't drink? Have you ever been tired and can't sleep? What would you do if you knew you were all three? I've been down and now when nobody cares. Mm -hmm. Rain falls down, you ain't got no choice but wet. Yeah, yeah. Cause it's a hard life, it's alright, gotta get back up somehow, don't count me out. Hard life, it's alright, gotta get back up somehow, don't count me out. Hard life, it's alright, nigga get back up, you gotta fight, boss T. The pit of hell. And the only way for a man to be in hell is if he was at one point alive. This is deep. So you see why many argue and are trying to wrap their heads around this concept of the possibility of Nero, whose name equals 666 and 616, who persecuted believers for three and a half years, who was one of the seven kings of Rome, who died and undoubtedly went to the darkest region of hell, is it possible that somehow the spirit of that wicked man will arise and possess the future Antichrist? Now, this is, this is a big thing because this can open up a rabbit hole of conversations and further research, of course. Uh, because there are a few things that we have to consider here. You see, if we are onto something, might this indicate that just the spirit of Nero could possess someone who is alive today as the Antichrist? Or perhaps somehow the spirit and body of Nero will come back into our world. Hmm. What is a way that many are saying the Antichrist could physically arise out of the abyss apart from resurrection? Well, one interesting theory is through technological advances such as CERN. are reporting about a recent scientific breakthrough that may possibly open gateways into dark dimensions. So what is the big fuss about CERN? Check this out. What they're trying to do there is mimic, uh, approach the energies that happened at the beginning of the Big Bang. And all the energy that was released, some of it stayed energy, 
a lot of it turned into matter. And so if you want to understand the nature of that matter, you need to pull it apart and have a good look at it. If we want to understand our place in the universe, we need to get as deep down as we can get, as deep down as we can get. And in order to do that, you need these energies, and that's what they're doing. Uh, what it is is basically a giant ring, and it goes uh, several miles in circumference. When it goes around, what it is doing is firing particles at nearly the speed of light in opposite directions, so they collide. And they burst, and then they can study circumstances such as, you know, the beginning of life, the beginning of the universe. They're looking for information. It's a, a picture of this uh, tunnel, so when you see this circle going around, underground this is just a shot uh, and this is what it looks like underground for those of you that are carrying but outside is a very peculiar uh, entity it's Shiva Shiva is this this entity that they have outside their facility and you just wonder why would they have this this has to do with the goddess of destruction the god of uh, all these scenarios and there's a lot of demonic occultic scenarios attached to Shiva and this is an interesting thing to have right outside your facility and making this kind of one of your hallmarks, okay? This is like their their brand, Shiva, right outside CERN. Now, that's a very interesting thing there. Um, and you, that has ties to uh, the destroyer of worlds, the destroyer of things. Why would you have that attached to this? This is the Hindu god of destruction. There's a significant section of CERN that is built upon the St. Genus Poeli, and a temple were dedicated there in ancient times to Apollyon, the destroyer, the Shiva Horus, if you will. Apollyon is also the angel of the bottomless pit, of the bottomless pit, referred to in Revelation 9-11. CERN are expecting to find other dimensions and open portals to these dimensions. Uh, if you have the image of Stargate in your head right now, you're spot on. That's what he said. Sergio Bertolucci, who is the official director for research and scientific computing at CERN, he was asked a while back about this extra-dimensional doorway, and he didn't hesitate with an enlightening response. He said, yes, out of this door might come something, or we might send something through it. Now, prophecy in numerous parts of the Bible refer to a coming day when portals will be opened and spiritual entities are going to pass through and come to the earth. The idea of CERN playing with gateways is a major concern. They were shut down for nearly three years or more, uh, especially going into the pandemic and all that had happened. Now they're fired back up, and now they kicked it off yesterday, but they're going to continue these runs and tests all the way into 2024 and beyond, and then they'll shut it down again. There's several scenarios that they're gearing up for. Number one, this is not the only facility like this. CERN is its, it's kind of the originator. It's what it is, but they're going to build it bigger okay they're going to build CERN bigger over the next few years and they're going to relaunch it again with an even more powerful and bigger ring under the ground where they fire these particle physics at one another at nearly the speed of light they're going to make it bigger it's going to come forward and you're going to see that happen now in addition to this uh China you know our friends over at China get this they are building a their own hadron collider five times more powerful 
than the current CERN we're looking at right now, China. They're building one and working on one that is five times more powerful. Now, I'm going to get to why this is important. Where this could head is the conversation of opening up. Now, listen, this is crazy, but it's actually said, not by us, by some of these scientists. What they're considering, what they're concerned about is opening up different dimensions or portals. Is, is when they're crushing out these particles and whatnot, they're giving opportunity to step into these other realms. Now, here's the issue with this or communicate with these other realms. When they're doing this, what is happening is they're talking to things through data and the data's answering. They've already gone on record saying this that they're sending information through into other dimensions or other realms and it's answering them through data. One of the scientists, and a few of them have gone on record and said, it's possible we're gonna be able to send something through to another realm through these portals, through math and colliding these things, or something could come through to our side and we don't fully know what that is. Don't fully know what that is. Talks about roughly in like uh, Revelation chapter nine and different places that the bottomless pit eventually would be opened up. The pit and the bottomless pit, the abuso, okay, the darkness. It says Apollyon, the destroyer, will come up. And Shiva, by the way, that's one of the identifications of Shiva, is that the destroyer will come up from the pit. These things will begin to happen, and then you're going to begin to see basically hell on earth, hell on earth. Given these descriptions, is it possible that CERN will have something to do with the opening of the bottomless pit described in Revelation 9? What if Satan is influencing our technology to try and mimic what only God can do? Bring someone back. What if this is how the beast will rise out of the abyss? Now, back to Nero. I want to remind you of something that we looked at earlier. Remember what Augustine of Hippo wrote? Others Suppose that he is in a concealment in the vigor of that same age, same age which he had reached when he was believed to have perished and will live until he is revealed in his own time and restored to his kingdom. So the interesting thing here is that it says the same age. Now, let's say the spirit of Nero or even his body was somehow brought into our world and he is on the scene again as the Antichrist. Well, if he is here at the same age as he was when he died, well, what difference would his age make? Many patterns in the New and Old Testament show how the Antichrist will be sort of like a false messiah. Jesus did miracles and the Antichrist will try to do miracles. We worship Jesus after his rising from the dead. 
Scripture says the Antichrist will be healed of a fatal wound. Many scholars note that some type of false resurrection will happen and that will lead many to worship him. Jesus had a three and a half year ministry. The Antichrist will have a three and a half year false ministry. Jesus seals us with his mark, the Holy Spirit, and those who worship the Antichrist will be sealed with his mark, the mark of the beast. And so basically everything Jesus did, the Antichrist is going to flip and try to do for evil, even down to the timelines. And so if the Antichrist is a false twisted parallel of Jesus, and he is to have some type of false ministry for three and a half years, what age should the Antichrist be? Jesus was 30 when he began his ministry for three and a half years. He was 30. And so if Nero somehow comes into the scene to begin his false ministry as the Antichrist, how old should he be when he begins that? Well, we can determine that by seeing how old he was when he died. Because whatever age that was would be the same age he would be if he came back. So, let's see. Nero. How old was Nero when he went into the abyss of hell? How old was Nero when he died? Nero was 30 years old. 30 years old. And so if his spirit was to return in some way as the false messiah, just as Jesus, the true Messiah, was on earth ministering with power at the age of 30, so this false Messiah would operate on earth in a powerful way at the age of 30. Again, is it coincidence? Or were some of these early thoughts, were they onto something? It would seem fitting uh, that the Antichrist will come in the same hatred and spirit as someone like Nero. I mean, we know he will be arrogant and will claim to be a god just as Nero did for 42 months. We know that he will war against other nations until every nation fears him. We know from scripture that he will fight against God's people. And will be celebrated for it. But even during that persecution, the power of God from the two witnesses will still be active, which is likely why the world will support his brutality against those on the side of the two witnesses. And I do believe that if we are onto something here, it absolutely can shed light on the identity of the Antichrist among us. Because if there is a link to Nero, somehow that should manifest in what we see today. 
Therefore, the question that we must ask ourselves is this. Is there someone among us? Someone powerful, cunning, charismatic, who fits the profile of Nero? Dr. Joel Roman coming to you today with some terrible news. I just found out that a old good friend of mine who's roughly my age had passed away this weekend, another victim of sudden cardiac death. And it seems like we're hearing these reports all too commonly nowadays. I can tell you as a physician, prior to 2020, I had maybe one patient total who just dropped dead suddenly. It's a very rare thing to have happen. Here in the last year or two, it seems like we've heard dozens of these stories among people that we know friends of ours. So something is going on. Uh, the numbers are terribly skewed here as of late. Normally, I can tell you as a physician, people succumb to chronic injuries, right? Chronic, chronic disease, things like renal failure, liver failure, respiratory failure. Maybe you've been fighting off of pneumonia in the hospital for three to four weeks. We are seeing an exponential rise specifically in sudden cardiac death and something's gotta be causing it. You probably can take a guess as to what has changed in the last year or two. I think it's high time that we take these seriously and we look into what's going on among our American citizens because something is causing a drastic increase in sudden cardiac death and we need to find out why. I'm serving you with a notice of liability. This notice of liability is a legal document um, from Taking Back Our Freedoms. It's been compiled by top experts, scientists, doctors across this country, including the Honorable Brian Peckford, who signed the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. This document outlines the harms that the vaccines are causing, including death in so many, including children. This document now means that because you've been served, this is a legal document, you are either indirectly or directly now legally responsible for harming children. And I am filming because you're going into a database and I'm asking you to please stop the shots. You have to stop them. I'm a mother and a journalist and I've spoken to thousands. Look at me, please. Please stop them. Please stop giving them out. You did not give my permission to film. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm serving you. It doesn't matter. Please stop them. I'm serving you with a notice. Thank you, Chairman. And uh, thank you, Representative Powers, for bringing this. I think it's a very good idea. And I was just wondering about... Uh, could I put a amendment on that? It would include hanging by a tree also. And uh, and also, uh, I would like to sign on to your bill, sir. Thank you. Leader Sheriff. When you think about the destruction of innocence and how these people would love to have their, for lack of a better term, desire, version, whatever it may be, classified as a alternative lifestyle they'd like to say hey this is my lifestyle this is my uh, my choice and if i want to you know get into bed with somebody who's underage you know that's what they want you to believe is their business and to get you to accept it 
And some people liken it to, uh, you know, a fight for a marriage equality. Well, it's not the same thing. Praying on somebody's child is not equality. It is pedophilia. And here's a report about that. As crazy as it sounds, a recent Supreme Court ruling on same-sex marriage may soon allow pedophiles to argue they are suffering discrimination. Using the same tactics used by gay rights activists, pedophiles have begun to seek similar status, arguing their desire for children is a sexual orientation no different than heterosexual or homosexuals, writes Jack Miner for the Northern Colorado Gazette. Miner notes that psychiatrists are now beginning to advocate redefining pedophilia in the same way homosexuality was redefined several years ago. Homosexuality was long considered a mental illness. However, in 1973, the American Psychiatric Association declassified it from a list of mental disorders. There's no cure for pedophilia, Charlie, because pedophilia isn't a sickness. Let's be absolutely clear. There's something in the brain of a pedophile that's different from what's in the brain of a non-pedophile. Be able to make a much more direct contact with these people when we indicate to them that we know that they didn't choose this. We know that uh, uh, they really had no, uh, no opportunity to select what they're going to be attracted to. City professor is taking a lot of heat. Alan Walker said the word pedophile shouldn't be used to refer to people who are attracted to children because it comes with a stigma. Walker said the term minor attracted people or MAPS should be used to describe people who are attracted to children. It's, it's less stigmatizing than other terms like pedophile. Uh, a lot of people, when they hear the term pedophile, they automatically assume that it means a sex offender. Uh, and that isn't true, and it leads to a lot of misconceptions about attractions toward minors. I am Todd Nickerson. Uh, I'm a non-offending pedophile. I have never ever um, sexually abused a child. I never will. I am part of one of the most hated groups of, of society. Um, no question about it. We are the scapegoats du jour. I'm campaigning for better treatment of uh, people like me. Uh, you know, we're non-offending pedophiles. Not all pedophiles are child molesters and not all child molesters are pedophiles. Pedophile is, strictly speaking, is just somebody who has the sexual attraction to children. What age groups are you attracted to? I would say probably starts about four, three, four years old, and then goes up into early 20s, late teens, early 20s. I am neither proud or nor ashamed of being a pedophile. Um, at this point, I just accept it. According to current research, Pedophilia is an unchangeable sexual orientation, just like, for example, heterosexuality. No one chooses to be a pedophile. No one can cease being one. It is crucial to understand the difference between pedophilia and child sexual abuse, which is illegal and must always be. Pedophilia is only a sexual preference for pre-adolescent children. It is in our responsibility to reflect and to overcome our negative feelings about pedophiles and to treat them with the same respect we treat other people with. See y'all, see, I told you, when Obama opened that door up, you, you get this mess. Now, the gay people trying to talk uh, talk bad about the pedophilia like we talk bad about gay people. Now we got we talk get bad about pedophilia. Now, what is this going on, people? What's up? These are 
These are what the Caucasian people are pushing, y'all. And we as huge people, we run with their policies, so we do what they do. They out here doing all this weird stuff, animal having sex with animals, and all this other stuff. I don't understand. Never seen one. They want to have sex with animals. Now, we got pedophilia. We got AB, the, the, the alphabet, the lesbian, gay, homosexual, and them. All them in the same hoop. Those people are making things kind of weird now. Because they say, Oh, I want to sleep with a man. Now, the other people say, well, if they can sleep with their opposite set, like I want to sleep with children. Oh, uh, oh, uh, uh, because they doing this, I could be able to sleep with children. And they say, if he could be able to sleep with children, I should be able to sleep with dogs and cats and rabbits and cows and horses and stuff like that. You see the mindset, man? That's why the most high said you see the most high was so in depth of why he said what he said a man shouldn't lie with a man like he does a woman if so that's abomination to god and you'll surely get to put to death that's what the bible say so i understand why he said it because all that manifested to what they trying to bring out now Y'all sleeping on the job, man. Y'all out here hustling, making money, trying to, to survive. And these people out here making the worst and, and going and making the worst, making the worst, making the worst, making the worst, making the worst. And then going to Congress and then trying to make it legalize it. And then they can sit up here and take your children and have sex with your children. And after a while, they can marry a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old. Had in my podcast how this guy would have seen if um, babies had orgasms and stuff like that. And he was a white guy doing it. So, what type of mess we in, y'all? What type of mess that we allowed to start manifesting into reality? Everybody stuck on, oh, I'm mind my own business. But now you got to get out of my own mind. I'm, minding your own business and get to minding on everybody else's business because everybody else's business ain't pure. It turns out that Ukraine partners with FTX to receive donations for Ukraine. Donations which the Ukrainian people, not a single one of them, has reported they received. $90 billion dollars more than the entire military budget of Russia. More than the entire budget. Not a single Ukrainian I know has received it. This now is uh, being called the biggest financial fraud case in US history. It is certainly the, the biggest single one day loss. His wealth went from $22 billion personally, personal wealth to zero. He's got nothing. Uh, but this affected a lot of people. How many users were on FTX? One million users. Cannot exit, cannot cash out. 
their accounts are frozen. The investors have put in around $1.8 billion in the past three years. That's gone. And you're talking about some big names. Some of the biggest losers are SoftBank, Sequoia Capital, the Singapore government's investment arm called Tamasek, and of course the Ontario's Teachers Union. So teachers tend to be left-wing, so they uh, follow this uh, left-wing crowd. So this company that was valued at $32 billion is pretty much close to zero right now. Many people were duped or they were in on it. And it's hard to imagine that they could be duped because it's so obvious the connections. It's so obvious the kickbacks, the paybacks. SBF connects Ukraine, the World Economic Forum, the SEC, the Democrats, and even Joe Biden. So we're gonna have to go back a few months and go back to a picture that was remarkable to me. We were told one day in May 2022 that Nancy Pelosi would take six Democrats from Congress and go visit Ukraine. Now when this happened, my spirit perked up and I asked the question, why? And then I wrote a blog on Substack and I, I said this, Nancy Pelosi had no power to resolve the conflict there. Her mission was not announced. She had no reason to be there. Nobody sent her. Why was the highest ranking member of the U.S. House of Representatives meeting with the Ukrainian Prime Minister Volodymyr Zelensky? Why? And the only conclusion, the plausible answer, is that they had some things to say off record. It couldn't be by phone. It couldn't be recorded in an email. So my question is, what was whispered in those private European rooms? Here's how it worked. Biden kept insisting that to be compassionate, to be patriotic, to be a defender of democracy, we, all of us, including Australia, have to send billions of dollars over to Ukraine to an actor who could have settled the score with Russia quietly at a negotiation table. Russia had some reasonable demands. Don't join NATO. Don't put NATO on, on our borders. Don't do that. Well, that was something NATO promised. It's not unreasonable for Putin to say, well, keep your promise. And he said, there are Russians that are being killed in the tens of thousands for the past eight years. We have gone to the European Union. We've gone to NATO. We've asked, stop it. Nobody does it. So we're coming in to protect our ethnic people. They're in the Donbass region. Stop killing Russians. Stop persecuting Russian speakers in Ukraine like they're second-class citizens. Ukrainians know that this happens and they couldn't get satisfaction talking, so they went to war. What business of ours is that? To send our billions of dollars over to Ukraine. So what happened then is the money goes to Ukraine and then Ukraine puts the money in FTX. It's called investment. Now, actually, governments have no business investing. Governments should protect the border, defend us from enemies, and then leave us alone. There's no mandate for governments to invest for us, but they do because people have become ignorant. We've become dull, mentally dull. They invest in FTX. FTX then, we know for sure, sends the money to the Democratic Party and what's called the super PACs 
these guys bundle up money instead of taking just one or two donations. They bundle up millions of dollars, hundreds of millions, and they give it to the candidate. And they're spending billions of dollars. Beto O'Rourke spent $200 million. Chump change for politicians. Imagine, that's like a jackpot in the lottery. That's life-changing wealth. He blew $200 million away on failed campaigns that somebody obviously paid for to be Texas governor, U.S. senator, uh, president, U.S. president. Who spends $200 million on a job that pays $100,000? Tell me that. A crook. Only a crook would spend millions of dollars for a job that pays, at most, the president pays $400,000 a year.
Yeah, that's my home. He's real.